Hello and thank you for tuning in to the morning edition of the D1TN5 for Tuesday, January 11th. I'm Aaron Matus. Georgia won its first national championship since 1980 in a back-loaded thriller in Indianapolis. Bulldogs head coach Kirby Smart in his post-game presser. Dog Nation showing up here, the tremendous belief in this program of our fan base. I mean, everywhere we went in Indianapolis, we saw our people. Somebody told me it would be 60-40. It felt like 70-30. I just hope they remember this feeling and understand they don't need to get spoiled. They just need to stay hungry like these players. Remember, a lot of these guys decided to come back and they bought in. And we changed a lot of off-season things. We cut out the indoor and we went to the stadium. We did a lot of things. The toughness brought a lot more toughness back. I just can't say enough about the leaders. I'm so happy for the Georgia people. I'm happy for the people that get this for so many years they've been without it. The Pac-12 released a statement after the latest college football playoff expansion negotiations stalemate, emphasizing it supports all of the six most discussed expansion models that would allow for expansion to occur in time for the final two years of the current CFP agreement. However, quote, it is clear none of the six most discussed expansion models has unanimous consent, with most having considerable opposition, and every conference other than the Pac-12 has indicated that they would be against at least one of their proposed models. The Athletics' Stuart Mandel. It's frankly a minor miracle college football remains as widely popular as it is in spite of its inherently dysfunctional leadership. The previous generation of commissioners hung on to the BCS about eight years past the point of full-on public mutiny, and the current one is letting internal infighting dictate the external product. With hindsight, why on earth did the college football playoff opt to go public with a specific, highly detailed 12-team proposal last June if there wasn't near certainty it would then get rubber-stamped? Texas A&M Athletic Director Ross Bjork responds to those questioning the Aggies' number one ranked football recruiting class. You want to be covered, but you want to be covered accurately, he said. We want accurate information out there. In the social media world, things can grow fast and might look credible, if you will. That's the key, parsing through what's credible and what's not. That's the era we live in. You had to have seen the building blocks being put in place. It's not like we went from the 50th ranked recruiting class to number one. This has been a process since Jimbo got here in December of 2017. It's not like we just sprang onto the college football recruiting scene this year. If anybody has any angst over this, they weren't paying attention to what's been built over the last four years. Our job is to educate our student athletes, educate the recruits, and then educate our boosters and donors on what the state law is obviously following a little bit of NCAA guidance, but it's really about the Texas state law. So long as our donors and boosters and the student athletes are following the state law, whatever agreement they make, that's between the student athlete and the entity. Missouri Athletic Director Desiree Reed Francois names Central Michigan Deputy AD, Administration, and SWA Rachel Blunt as Senior Associate AD for Student Athlete Development and Championship Performance. 
Duke announces a major gift from former student-athletes Lucas Patrick, who played football, and Annie Mulholland Patrick, who played tennis, in partnership with donor Pradeep Balaga. The gift will be used to endow the Annie and Lucas Patrick Mary E. Gamby Memorial Fund, a scholarship established in the name of Annie's late mother, Mary, and will be awarded annually to a current student-athlete. The couple is the youngest former student-athletes to create a scholarship endowment for Duke, and Balaga is the first donor to partner up with former Blue Devils for a gift. While the number of multi-channel video homes in the United States dropped more than 10% over the past two years, SBJ's John Uran reports that national sports networks, typically the priciest channels on cable systems, have seen a much slower rate of erosion over that two-year time span from January 2020 to January 2022. Household distribution for ESPN and ESPN2 dropped by 4%, while subscriber numbers for FS1 and NBCSN, the sports channel that went dark for good on January 1st, both dropped by only around 2% in the past 24 months. The numbers, which come from Nielsen's monthly household universe estimates, show that the number of homes that subscribe to multi-channel video, cable, satellite, or a virtual multi-channel video provider, such as Sling TV or YouTube TV, fell to 82.8 million. That's the lowest figure in the last 16 years, which is as far back as SBJ's records go. This and more in your D1 ticker email. I'm Aaron Matus, and this has been the morning edition of your D1 TN5 for Tuesday, January 11th. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again tonight.